Hello everyone and welcome to this week's topic of the week. My name is Alec and we have Josh here. And today we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic that we haven't thought of talking about, but this was Josh's fantastic idea. And it's talking about how to implement sustainable agriculture and what it will cost to the world to implement sustainable agriculture. Um, so implementing sustainable agriculture, ag sustainable agriculture in general is exactly what it means. Agriculture that is green. So what, what, what this means is adapting ways we can minimize um, the impact on the environment, um, far, farming's impact on the environment, and how we can do it cost efficiently. Because implementing things that are green tech have been costly nowadays because we simply don't have the resources yet to implement sustainable practices, whether it be sustainable agriculture, sustainable industrial development, any kind of sustainable way to do something. So, but most importantly, the world needs food. We are 8 billion people and we're, that number is going to keep going and we need to feed people. And with climate change happening and natural disasters and a whole lot of just uncontrollable things that happen, it destroys crops and destroys just it destroys crops, we lose food and people get hungry. And with Russia pulling out of the grain deal, Prices for green have skyrocketed ever since. So we need ways to find to to promote agriculture, but also do it sustainably as well, where we can mass produce in a green way. Yeah, there it, so many interesting things when I thought of this topic was what how can we you know afford to feed our people? How can we healthily feed our people? How can we create green technologies to help you know? reduce the effects of climate change? What are the ways that we can sustainably use? What are the technologies involved? You don't realize how much is really involved in this until you do the actual research. Um, funny statistic as well that I found, approximately 40% of the global population cannot afford a healthy diet. That is 3 billion people. This is coming from the World wow. Economic Forum in the UN. That is 3 billion people that can't afford a healthy diet, which is why by 2015, 2050, the population is expected, half of the world's population is expected to be obese. And so there are many, many issues with having an obese population. It means that more people are going to die, less people can work. Our healthcare system is going to be restrained a little bit more. We don't need all those things on top of things we're fighting like climate change, like war, food insecurity. So we have to, as a society, figure out how to fix these problems. And just to give you some examples of what I came up with my research uh, that are sustainable agricultural practices that can be used with the right technology, of course, and that's something we're going to talk about later, getting that technology, but something like permaculture. Permaculture is combining nature with human settlements. So it's like when you look at the top of buildings in Manhattan and they have, you know, uh, they have gardens on them. That's something like permaculture. Um, another example in, in using sustainability for not agriculture, but in terms of energy would be the Hudson Yards in New York City. Um, I just recently went to New York City and I went to the edge of Hudson Yards. Beautiful, by the way. But anyway, the Hudson Yards is very fascinating because what it is is the future of sustainable cities and trying to use sustainable cities to produce food to produce energy and all that and what they do use one of the examples is rainwater that goes into their systems to help 
use it to irrigate their surroundings, but also it goes through a system that cleans water, that cleans the water and is being used as city water. So rainwater can be used up to 60 million gallons, I believe it was, per year to help fight, you know, water insecurity. And it also helps you like with energy. It, I think it's sustaining about 15% of New York's grid at the moment. And that's just like the Hudson Yard. So that's very fascinating. So those are certain things that we're looking at in terms of how we need to fight, you know, and, and, and help create sustainable agriculture. What was that thing you said about farms? Uh, what was that term called? Were uh, they perma- not farms? Perma... Permaculture. Yeah, permaculture. Permaculture? I love permaculture. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. It really adds yes. to a building and not... I mean, like, let's say you have a ranch-style house, but you have your neighbor that's right next door. But you still have a massive backyard. But regulations say you can't build a massive farm. You can build a small garden. It's like... what? Why, uh, in my opinion, I, 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 I hate zoning regulations. Oh, yeah, like, I understand that there should be a gap. Uh, like we should have the gap between neighbors, but we should also like if we have the land for it, build or have our own farm to be sustainable in our own way. I have a small garden out there that has like tomatoes and peppers or whatever, but it's not enough for me to last a whole year. It's enough for like probably a summer. Yep. And that's about it. I think every person should have the right to use land, to use their land that they have, should they have a set amount of acreage to do, especially in like a suburban area, to build, not even build, but to grow their own crops. I think that'd be, that'd be a good way to help um, lower the costs of food for those who go to buy to grocery stores, because now you have people who are self de- uh, self-dependent. Yep. Yeah, and, and you you can have more people, people that that will lower ultimately the cost because now everything is being domestically produced, and people don't go to the market, uh, the supermarket, and that lowers the demand, which drops the price. Yeah, exactly. And and for those of you who don't remember, you know, second grade science, the basis of like our world is that trees, grass, flowers take in carbon, release it as oxygen. That's how we breathe. So by adding this to buildings, it, it, it helps, especially in areas like New York City, like Chicago, like Dubai, like Tokyo, we have really high carbon emissions to reduce the emission that's going into the air because it just sucks it in and releases it as oxygen. Uh, the, the, the new rendering of the second World Trade Center that's being developed has something like that where they have a rooftop going up in steps that is full of green and shrubbery that's going to help trap carn. Uh, car, carbon in the atmosphere and release it as oxygen. And so those are designs that buildings, I think, need, the future of buildings, they need, they need to really look at because it's it's fascinating and it's it's helpful, it's useful to our environment. And so that is what we need to, to look forward to in the future. And obviously there's many things that come with it. To continue off of the, the, the permafrost, you said it was? Perm- permaculture. Permaculture, permafrost, oh my goodness. Uh, permaculture. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about just growing crops in general. And people are saying, oh, we have all this land in, in like, let's say you're in the United States, in, in the Midwest, or uh, in the central of the United States. Why is nobody using it? 
Well, number one, it's because there's no incentive. People that yeah. have, I've been seeing all over my Instagram reels of people just leaving these very like uh, suburban areas and like rural, rural. What is it, rural? Yeah, is rural. it like just rural, rural America? And there's abandoned like towns and because there's no incentive to to work the land. Everything is just either uh, in, uh, imported or the government has set amount of regulations on what can be domestically produced and also big corporations buy out big farmlands and produce oh, on their yeah. own and and the crops are monopolized so people have really no incentive to run the farms unless they're an employee of a farm and even uh, of a uh, of a big corporation that runs a farm and i think the united states is doing a terrible job at this i think that we can beat um global prices and defeat uh, global food insecurity if we just use every single bit of land. And yes, you might say that we might raise our carbon emissions by by this kind of agriculture, but we're, we're promoting for sustainable agriculture. We're saying that we can do this in a sustainable way, right? whether it be through the use of like managing our how we use our water or we use uh, what there's a th- Thing that I have here called uh, reduced till practices to help reduce the amount of soil erosion, carbon loss, more organic farming. The, my biggest thing and my biggest ick when it comes to agriculture is we are not promoting more organic farming. We are yes. doing oh why? Why is there? Why do I open my social media and there's this talk about lab-grown meat? You want to talk emissions? We don't need factories producing my food i want it produced out of land you're emitting more carbon emissions by trying to lab grow things a factory runs what does a factory run on electricity what is the what is electricity powered by oil we're we're, we're not we're not helping we're making it worse and and not only that it's gonna make our diets worse because we don't have the technology to like create something yet that's out of that's not natural that doesn't have chemicals in it and those chemicals can cause cancers we don't know we're not we're not going to know for a long time but god dang it i don't want to find out i really don't want to find out i don't want to i don't want to eat this food and have it maybe a couple times and then go to the doctor 10 20 years later they're like oh do you smoke? No. Well, you got lung cancer. Like, what? <laughs> so uh, that's not what I want because I, I can eat red meat. If I eat it sustainably, I don't overdo it. I never – I eat heart-healthy things. I'm never going to have a problem with my heart as red meat does give you problems with, with heart and obviously uh, – what, what, what are they called? Uh, arteries, clogged arteries. That happens with red meat. But I'd rather, if I can eat that sustainably and not ever have to worry about getting cancer, you know, that, that's a goal. And that's fine. So I don't want to ever have that stuff because, like you also said, I mean, it's just, it's just going to have more carbon. They're going to produce it in a factory and mass produce it to feed the world. Like, ill, Gross. It's, it's trying to save livestock, but are we really saving the people we're feeding 
we're basically about to feed poison to people should this stuff even be FDA approved, which if the FDA does approve it, then there is the FDA is just, in my opinion, non-existent. I think we need to go back to regular organic farming, self-sufficiency. Yeah. And I think we should look I, – I know I said before that the U.S. looks to import things, but I think we're importing things from the wrong places. If you go to areas like in Asia, in in Europe, but not Western Europe, but if you look more Eastern Europe, everybody in Eastern Europe in the Balkan region all are organic farmers. There is not even a single piece of a chemical they add to – there's no GMOs. There's nothing. It's just pure as-is crops and then sent to the markets. And yep. for some reason, sometimes those crops aren't accepted because they don't have certain like, oh, you need this uh, chemical because we're trying to reduce this, uh, this I don't know, virus. Not virus, but like this thing that damages the crops or yeah. it's organic. It's organic. It's freshly grown straight from the farmer to the consumer. And I think we need to look more places into that and invest in those types of farms because there's food there that is just, it's like a gold mine. I mean, when, when I went to Albania, all you can see for miles is people's farmlands and they grow yep. for one self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency and two to sell to domestic markets because they don't have the resources to seek to export. And then if they do export it, they end up in, these small mom and pop European shops that no American or no no foreigner ever goes to, except for people who are from that region. Which I think we need. What we need to do better is is also be more open minded to imports from areas that are or farming organically, no GMOs, no chemicals, no nothing. Yeah, I agree. And France was another one when we were in the countryside of France. Farms everywhere. You can see what they were doing, and and when we're talking about uh, you know lab lab grown meats, you know this it, it's a shot at lab grown meats because they're bad. But we're also we can't ignore the fact that it, this is more U.S. specific that what we feed our animals is bad too. The preservatives to keep the, oh, the preservatives yes. we put in to keep the shelf life, how we pasteurize milk and pasteurize cheeses. You know, to to keep the shelf life of the food. Now you're thinking, well, isn't that a good thing? You're correct. It is a good thing. It gives us more food. It's good to a degree. It's good to a degree because we still don't know what preservatives do to our human body because they have shelf lives for a very long time. Eggs should not be on a shelf for more than a week. In a, fro- in a frozen, they should be eaten very quickly or consumed and made in food fairly quickly. Um, same with cheese. Cheese probably should be on a shelf for like a day, you know, two before it gets a little stinky and gross. Uh, and and that, that's on average, it's not for everything. But still, it's fascinating because we are, are st- we're in our own country, we are providing, feeding our chickens with this horrible food or our cows, our, our sheep, our pigs with these horrible, horrible, horrible things just to preserve shelf life when all we need to do is build under the lands in the Midwest. Now, you were discussing the Midwest before. One of the other bad things about the Midwest is that it's very, very dry. Soil there is not very good. Well, 
this is a big, big project, but it's a solvable project to show where we can build aqueducts and build irrigation systems out there that can either it will desalinization when we invest in that and figure that out to a big degree. We can use seawater and our fresh water and rain runoff to send it out to the Midwest, use it as irrigation systems to build good soil, which can then feed our our crops and feed our animals, et cetera, et cetera. And then we can create sustainability through that. But the government doesn't look for that. The government is like, what's the easy way out? Oh, okay, fatten up our chickens. Okay, fatten up our cows. I mean, you look at the cows in, in Europe compared to America. They're freaking huge here. They're massive <laughs> things. They're huge. It's because the bigger they are, the more meat they have, which means the more meat we can sell. It's all... It... I want to continue on that. Which this is this is basically called livestock management, which is another way to promote sustainable agriculture. It's not about the how much meat you can get out of one animal. It should we should have it where how many chickens, how many cows, how many whatever can I raise yes. as a farmer sustainably? We're to the point where I have enough to have them reproduce but also have enough where it's they're not going to erode the soil and here's the thing with that right i understand that livestock can erode the soil because they need to eat in some way and then to to combat that we give them these unholy chemicals to to eat off of it's like we can regrow the land we can always do that we can always find a way to regenerate soil to regenerate grass we the more the more we feed i mean where are we getting this feed from factories yes so it's like we're shooting ourselves in the foot here with the way we're trying to be i think we're trying to be sustainable in the wrong way i think we went from sustainable agriculture to corporate greed is what we went from and there's a lot of money to be made in sustainable agriculture Anyways, regardless Absolutely. of what path you take. Yeah, and and what you brought up with the soil is another thing. It's crop rotation. Is You put the crops in for one season. The soil doesn't look so good. You take the crops, you move them to the next field. This was an old practice that was in the Middle Ages that they understood. Crop rotation. <laughs> and and, and it's, it could be the same thing for animals. And, and for those of you who are listening and trying to question our backgrounds, this man has chickens. And I went to an ag school. So I didn't participate in the agri program, but I knew many people. I discussed with them. I, I, I got to learn from them, and I go see the animals. I understand a lot of the basics of agriculture, and I've done research on it before. So if you're questioning that, there you go. Back to the what we're talking about. 80% crop of rotation, my family are farmers. Yeah. Crop, <laughs> 80% of where I live is farm. Like, I, 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 I know. It's crazy, but people don't – We, the United States and farmers need to look at, you know, instead of having big fields to graze with these animals, have them one area where they eat for that season, and then you move them. So that area can replenish, use its seeds, and then the other area can be used to feed. It's the same with crops. If you put too many crops in the same soil for too long, the soil gets spoiled and it's not usable anymore. But if you use it for one season and you rotate – and th- this is something that's very used very often in the northeast and the south 
but it's not used very much in the Midwest and the West of the United States. It's very much used in Europe. You can always, always, always tell crop rotation fields by how green one field is and how non-green the other field is. So that's an important practice that we need to bring to sustainability. It's an easier thing that we can bring to the practice of sustainability. But the other thing is we need to also offer farmers more lands. The government, this is where I think government can step in and be beneficial outside of building aqueducts and, and uh, systems to, you know, make sure the land is uh, wet enough and, and rich enough. Isn't, isn't give farmers money to buy land so that they can use crop rotations and so that they have enough land to house their animals. And give them as like a as a loan to pay it off, and then during the seasons they can sell cattle, sell their crops. That's where the government can step in and be make a really really big difference to local farmers. Is giving them more lands. I mean, the first thing is going to be making sure that the soil is rich enough, but this, that's going to be the second thing is is giving them the land in the first place. I think another part of it, what the government should be doing, is market access as well. I think the biggest yes. issue is that farmers really don't have – well, they don't know where to go to sell their crops, so they stick domestically and try to find local supermarkets. I think what the government should be doing is going out to these local farms and say, hey, we're going to buy your all your crops, all of them, and we're going to put them – and then the government can collect revenue by reselling them to bigger corporate supermarkets or even globally in general. And another thing they should do is just road infrastructure. I want to be able to have a farm in the Midwest but sell to the East Coast no problem, for example. Yep. And some don't have the equipment to do so. Some don't have the road access to do so because you really have to go in – like you have to go into the Midwest and into a farm. And it's very far from just civilization. Oh, so yeah. I, think, I think market and infrastructure – uh, access needs to be hugely improved. I I yeah. want it to be we're at a point where it's I'm a farmer here in the U.S. I want to sell to some mar some random supermarket in France. I like that's that's what I think, and that's how you circle you circle the crops from point A to point B perfectly. Is yeah. logistics, and we're having a logistics crisis here as well. So just it's like a double whammy. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and one of the ways you can solve, I guess, the domestic movement of crops is building trains. Railways are going to be hugely important. Oh, they can yeah. move. They can move livestock. They can move food. And if we have more trains that are sustainable and, and also they're electric trains or something like that um, that can move quickly, um, it'll be able easier for those farmers to get their money and also – for people to get food. And, and you bring up another thing is that there needs to be access to global markets. So a global food system is something that the United States and the rest of the world needs to consider is that farmers are able to meet, to trade their goods with others, get supplies from other places of the world instead of just relying on supplies that they have here. Because the United States is a very lucky country. And Europe, especially Western Europe, is very lucky in the fact that they are very rich in natural resources. 
The rest of the world is not so much like that. If you look at Africa, if you look at Asia, if you look at parts of South America, they are not so lucky in terms of having natural resources at their disposal. So they could go to the U.S., go to Europe, and ask for those things for, in exchange, what they have. It could either be money, it could be something else, like uh, you know maybe trade deals if it's going to be on a higher level in terms of country to country. That could be a way to create a global food system, a global agriculture system where they can trade their goods with each other and also materials and technologies. Yep. I want to go back to the thing you talked about, which was electric trains. Oh, yes. And this kind of came up with something. It's about the renewable energy aspect of sustainable agriculture. You can't have sustainability without green technology. Yeah. And what I just thought of is that we need more kind of wind and solar farms attached, wind and solar uh, power units, right, to be attached to farms. So now you have a fully sufficient, self-sufficient farm where it has the energy, it can get the crops using the, the energy from, from wind, using the energy from solar. It doesn't even need to be powered to a power grid. And people are going to talk about the reliability we also have things like, uh, what was it, natural gas as well, where they can use, they can even, like, I don't want to use to say the word oil, but should the wind or solar not work at the time, I think there should be backup generators powered by oil so that by the time the wind or solar infrastructure gets back online, it can easily shift back to uh, wind or solar. And I think that would be perfect for to have for each individual farm per person. And it, and it also is a way to test technology as well before we mass produce it onto the markets as well. So it's kind of like a, a, a double win here, should we use. And the things like John Deere is also coming out with a fully electric tractors, fully electric farm equipment. And so far, people that have been using them have been pretty happy with how they operate. It's it, they, they work pretty flawlessly. So yeah. I think the biggest concern is battery and how long a one charge last, but so far, um, not sponsored by John Deere, but I do have a John Deere tractor myself. Um, <laughs> please sponsor us. <laughs> but people are, have been happy with, uh, John Deere's green, uh, green line of, uh, farm equipment. Yeah. And I guess that the next, the next thing would be putting out that, uh, infrastructure to help charge and solar is a great way to do that. If you have a solar powered ran home that could, plug into your charger which you can just plug your john deere into you know you save money and the, the great thing about the midwest is that there's absolutely nothing there there's no trees there's no there's no mountains in the way it is just sun 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 all day and so if we can use things technologies like desalinization runoff water runoff from west and east coasts to, to funnel in and then use the, the sun to power things and, and, and moves trains to move crops and, and, agri and uh, animals. Like, it, it's all something that can be done. There's so many moving parts. We understand that. That's not what we're – like, it's going to be a difficult road ahead. But we have to start, you know, Somewhere. paving that road. We have to start paving that road now because there's no way – that I there's no way I'm going to be eating lab-grown meats. And if we can't figure out how to do that, and I can guarantee you most of the population isn't going to do that either. And I know for a fact that we're going to run out of food 
because our population is over 8 billion very soon. So this is the this is the start. We need to be able to have enough animals, produce enough crops, have enough water to sustain the world. I think we'll never run out of food. We'll be dwindled on resources when it comes to organic food. I yes. think we're going to have a scarcity of organic food and a rise of lab-grown stuff from lab-grown meats to, I don't even know if it's possible, lab-grown crops or like crops where it's very genetically modified so one crop can get seven. But who knows yeah. how unhealthy it is when there's untapped potential here in the United States and abroad when it comes to the local farmer in somewhere in the Balkan countries where it's just this one random farmer who has a big farm and he can only sell domestically and has to throw away the rest of his crops because he can't, he does, has nowhere to sell. I think we're just, we're missing areas. We're missing Daddy. areas to start and we're missing areas where we can invest more into. Yeah. And what, what people tend to forget is that many, many cases, especially in Western Europe and the United States, one farm supplied a village. Now, again, there were a lot less people back then. Understandable. But, okay, let's. if it was one farm that could sustain a village back then, let's move it up to five farms that could sustain a town. I think that should be fair. Or, or 12 to 15 farms that can sustain a city. If we can look at that that way and have local farmers doing their job, because I'll tell you what, as someone who works or works, who lives in a town full of farmers, uh, you see those chickens, and they look like chickens. You know, what, like the typical chicken that you <laughs> want to see. Like but if you look at the ones that you see on TV that are grown from massive companies and you have you know feed. Like they have – some of those chickens look like they've been working out for 10 years. They have such big breasts because they put in so much feed that allows them grow so that the chicken breasts are bigger so they can sell more food. And to me, that's just not healthy. You know, That's just not healthy. A chicken should be a chicken, not stuffed with things that are going to make it bigger. If the chicken happens to be bigger naturally, whatever. But we shouldn't be unnaturally – you know, altering things. And the thing is, those chickens that grow those giant breasts, they can't even walk. They're, they're stuck yeah. because they're so heavy. So how can it be a chicken where it can go out and to to try to find – because what the uh, chicken will do is it will try to get its own food. It will, like, put its beak into the ground and try to get, like, little worms or this, like that to try to, like, have natural food to be naturally fed. So it's like yeah. we're, we're taking out the natural part of life. And we're trying to control everything. And everyone wants to talk about, well, what's the cost of this? Your lab-grown meat costs. We're building factories for lab-grown meat. Where what the money we could use that that have that has gone to to factories to to produce GMOs to produce chemicals. All that could have been used to build and incentivize organic farming yeah. for anyone that wants to debate me on cost. We're putting right. money in the wrong places. We have the yeah. money. We're just putting it into inorganic, unholy, ungodly uh, practices. Yeah. The and United we can States... be sustainable. We can drop our CO2 emissions with the money that they put towards 
lab-grown things. Yeah, absolutely. And the U.S. and the world needs to recognize that. They need to start moving the money from what they're putting it into now and investing in the local farmers. The local farmers are going to be the people that are going to keep us alive for the rest of our lives. They're going yes. to be those people. They're going to keep us going and keep us running. Um, and, and there's there's many factors at play. Obviously, these massive agricultural companies have big lobbyists in their respective countries that lobby for what they want. They have lots of capital. So when you're a farmer that's having a bad season and you realize you have no money and they come over to you and they offer you a million bucks, it's going to be hard to turn that down. So the United States needs to step in and switch its goal. We need to go back to local farmers. We need to invest in local farmers so that we can build sustainable agriculture within our countries, in our country, and around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think this was a very good, very good topic. I don't have anything else to add. If if you have anything else to finalize. No, I do not. This, this, yeah, you're right. This was such an interesting topic, and I, I, when I thought of it, I was like, "Dang! Like, what can, what, what can the world do?" And there's a lot that the world can do. We just have to really focus. We have to put our efforts into our policy and, and force our policymakers to basically to do these things, to create things like permaculture, desalin, invest in desalinization create new aqueducts, you know, invest in our railways to move agricultural products, all, all et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So this wraps up our topic of the week on sustainable agricultural practices. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this very good episode. I love this episode. Um, yeah. And we'll catch you in the, uh, in the next latest global developments episode next week. All right. Take care.